How does a man go from being a Wall Street lawyer to writing inspirational Christian books for men? We're going to find out today when we talk to Justin Camp, who's writing the Wire series for men. Uh, I first found him on the internet with his Wire for Men devotionals and then found out there was so much behind it. This is really a great conversation. I'm joined today again on Brave Men with uh, Chris Shields, who's our uh, co-producer and co-partner in crime. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, doing Brave Men, we, we have met some of the most amazing men. Yes, we have. And Justin Camp, I saw him a long time ago on the internet and followed him and then was like, man, I want to talk. I want to meet this guy. Yeah. Well, how do we meet the people we want to meet? We invite them to be on Brave Men. Brave Men. <laughs> we, we get to meet them. Yes. <laughs> Which is awesome. You know, it's kind of like I wanted to meet Stephen Mansfield for years. And so I figured, God, I didn't have a mutual friend. Yeah. You know, it's, and so in order to meet him, I went ahead and booked him to speak at our global <laughs> conference. Wow. Yeah, we've become friends. Yeah. And Justin's the same way. Justin Camp and his wife have gathered ministries, but it didn't start there. It's a fascinating story, Chris. Yeah. How he was a Wall Street lawyer. He's got a little Cali swag to him, though. Oh, he does. He? Huh? He, he does. Yeah, his wife grew up in Northern California. Yes, she did. Which is where I grew up. Yeah. But, um, but he's got that thing. Yes. You think that's UCLA? You think that's the UCLA thing? It is. It is. Yeah. It's just Cali just has that swag. Cali's got the thing. You know, it just has that swag. (laughs) And you can tell Cali people can tell Cali people, even if you're not living there anymore. You know, it just has that attraction. And that's you. That's your deal on you, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's your thing. That's what they tell me. That's what they tell you? (laughs) Oh, people spot you and go, oh, hey. You must be from Cali. You must be. (laughs) But you're not a surfer, but you're still from Cali. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, this guy, but this is a fascinating thing. He's he's written a number of books. Yeah, he is brilliant. And uh, he wrote this book, Odyssey, we talk about, which is uh, beautiful stories that he's written. And uh, his his, uh, stuff's been, you know, all over the place. I mean, all kinds of media outlets and and uh, but he was a Wall Street lawyer. This is what's amazing to me. University of Pennsylvania, Wall Street lawyer. Then he moves out to Silicon Valley, becomes a venture capitalist. And then through a really unique spiritual journey, he starts writing inspirational uh, things for men, yeah. which becomes that Wire series. Yeah, but I, I mean, even in his bio, I love how he says he loves traveling um, and he loves getting lost in new cities. And that speaks a lot to his journey, you know, his spiritual journey. He he stumbled on, you know, writing, you know, and then all of a sudden he uses that to inspire other people. It's amazing. You know, a lot of creators, creatives, you know, uh-huh. they stumble on things. It's like, yeah. I didn't even mean to do that, yeah. you know, and uh, all of a sudden it starts taking well, off. It's a, yeah. It's the journey thing. And it's, it's, uh, guys who search, guys yeah. who look, guys who have their eyes open. Yes. You know, uh, I was just laughing about uh, being lost in new cities. And I was thinking about you being lost in cities where you actually live. <laughs> Shh, that was a secret. <laughs> it wasn't a secret. Anyway, so. Yeah, that happens too often. You know, but that, that does happen to me too because I, I think part of it is um, uh, my wife, you know, Judy, uh, she travels to places like the schools, shops, malls, yeah. whatever. So she knows all the little streets. I go to the gym, right, back home to the airport to travel yes to places where i eat lunch with friends breakfast coffee here's my coffee i know those routes yes i don't know the other ones see and in my defense 
Oh, I know okay. the routes of walking. Oh, because you put me in routes. you put me in new cities I've never been in, like New York, yeah. DC, San Diego. You have been a lot of places, and I walk. Yeah, yeah. Like I can tell you, you we go to New York. Yeah. You know, I'll walk you. I can take you somewhere by walking. But if we try and get in a taxi or something, I'm yeah, like, I don't car. know what the street yeah. is. I just know how to get there in directions. <laughs> Is that a spatial? Is that a spatial thing, or is that? I think honestly, I think it's just being aware of feeling a feeling thing. You know what I mean? Like when you get in the car, you don't see the same uh, things. You don't see the same. You don't catch the same feelings. You don't catch the same moments as when you're walking. Yeah. You know what's that got to do with Justin Camp? A lot. Oh, it does. Yes, because he likes to get lost in new he's cities. He's walking through life. Okay, this is. <laughs> he's fantastic. a journey guy. <laughs> we brought this totally back around. Justin's going to be proud of us because he is. He. This is a man who ties up loose ends, and exactly. and, and I love his writing. I love uh, the adventure in his writing, exactly. and yet he always brings it back to a particular point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I'm so excited to introduce you to our new friend, Justin Camp, uh, here today on Brave Men. This is going to be awesome. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. Talking with Justin Camp, and Justin and his wife Jennifer have uh, Wired for Men and uh, Loop for Women, and uh, the ministry's called Gather. Justin, I've looked at your stuff for years, and I thought, this is just incredible stuff. If guys haven't seen it, I want them going to it. You have a, a weekly, uh, twice a week you do this devotional for men. You've got the coolest looking Instagram stuff, man. I am uh, in a very holy way jealous <laughs> if there is that kind of thing. But, uh, man, this didn't come out of some sort of like you grew up, went to Bible college, you know, and youth group thing and all that stuff. You had an absolute encounter with God that that pivoted your life into doing this amazing ministry to men over the last uh, eight or nine years. What happened? Well, thank for I'm just super excited to be here, um, and uh, thank you for those kind words. Um, yeah, so I mean, um, yeah, it didn't. Uh, so I grew up with in, in a in a in a house that uh, where God was definitely present. Um, you know, we we uh, we went to church every week and. And that kind of thing, but but my mom had a faith that was that was authentic. Mm. My dad was, um, you know, kind of uh, you know riding on her coattails. Um, but uh, her in other faith, words, he was a guy. He was a guy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know it at the time. I just thought it was normal. But it took you know getting out into the world a little bit to to, to look back and see how how important that faith was. She prayed a lot. I mean, they're still you know. <laughs> women, little old ladies will come up to me and say, you know, like grab me by the lapels and say, I know everything you did in high school oh, no. um, and, and say, I was praying for you, man. We prayed so many hours with your mom. It's, it's really sweet. So, so my mom was actually, I'll, I'm getting off the subject. Here. Oh, but what you did is see, okay. So there's the blessing you were, you gave her a prayer ministry. <laughs> it's like a big one, a blessed a son. <laughs> So um, she was diagnosed with leukemia when I was 12. Yeah. And I think I've, I've spent my whole life trying to, up until about the last five years, trying to kind of say, ah, oh, it's normal. It didn't have that big of an impact. Sure, you know, everyone goes through hard stuff. Well, for me personally, I think, you know, human beings are fragile enough where that kind of mm-hmm. stuff just, you know, really leaves an leaves a imprint. 
And mm. it did. And so she was sick for nine years and, and passed away when I was a freshman in college um, at age 21. And mm. it was quite a nine years. It was, you know, ups and downs. You had two bone marrow transplants. You know, it was Jeez. lots of waiting rooms, tons of tests, good yeah. tests, bad tests, blood counts up, down, you know, and it was just, it was a wild ride and not a fun one. So those years where she was praying for me and she had all those friends praying for me, uh, they had stuff to pray for. I was, you know, it was a misspent youth. Um, luckily for me, there was the California community college system and, um, I barely graduated from high school and, and started attending, uh, college at, uh, various schools and in, uh, you know, the Bay area and then down in San Luis Obispo, um, on the central coast in California and, um, kind of pulled out of the nosedive that I was in, ended up going to UCLA and meeting my wife there and, uh, thought I wanted to go into politics at that point. I was, I studied political science. Oh. Economic. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there I was still, you know, uh, I, I'd find my way to church. You know, I was going to church on my own, usually mostly on my own. Um, once I met my wife, we'd go together. Um, but um, but I was I was just listening to the drumbeat of culture at that point. Right. There's no question. Well, I knew I mean, taking a poli sci course, what are you going to do with that besides going to politics anyway? Yeah, that's what my dad kept telling me. What are you going to do with a degree? <laughs> So anyway, so, so in other words, poli sci really is like the rebellious kids. They're either the really good kids or the rebellious ones that are like, you know what, forget all you guys. I'm either going to take an English major or poli sci. Yeah, that's right. I was I was definitely the rebellious side. Yeah. Isn't that so? So, yeah, now, so let, let me go back real quick, Justin, right on, on this journey. So you're in high school, you lived on the West Coast, Silicon Valley area. Right. And so uh, when we talk, when you talk about culture and things around you, you were in the middle of a really vibrant, the whole San Francisco thing. And that, that whole moving hip, whatever you want to call it, surf culture, the whole everything comes together right where you grow up. So you had opportunities to just totally spend. Yeah. What was it that kept you? I mean, but you end up going to college. Now, this is fascinating to me because you, you didn't have to do that. You know, something, something was still holding on to you. You know, honestly, if I, I look at the friends that I had growing up during that time, um, a couple of them are no longer around, no, no longer living um, because of stuff that they got into, mostly drugs during that time. And uh, I don't know. I, I think that, I think, honestly, I think that intercessory prayer that my mom yeah. engaged in, in her friends, I think it, there are so many times where I feel like I, was in a situation where I could turn right or I could turn left. And, eat, I, and I saw my friends turning left and I would go, you know, I'm good. I think I'm going to head home, you know, and I would turn towards wholesomeness wow. in a world that wow. was not, did not have a lot of wholesomeness. And I was not, you know, I was not doing this consciously. I would just make these turns. So I'm a, I am a huge believer in intercessory prayer. I don't think it had much to do with me, honestly. I yeah. think there was divine protection. My dad one time said, he said, you know, I ran from God, but I couldn't outrun my mother's prayers. Oh, man. I, I, she, that is, that's very, very uh, well articulated for my life, I think. What a, Without what a beautiful, that, I think. It, what a beautiful testimony and legacy. Yeah. You know? I mean, and your children are living that legacy, right? Three kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah we Three. have a, a 14, 16, and 18 year old who are absolutely living that in the in the shadow of all of that so you end up meeting jennifer down at ucla 
she's there. Where's she from? So she grew up in a little almond farming town north of Sacramento, a town called Arbuckle. There are probably, I don't know, 200 people there. It's all, it's all almond farms. Well, and but in Arbuckle, it's called Ammons. Ammons, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I know that because I went to elementary school in Chico, California. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so it's the only place in the world they call them Ammons, which is where they grow them. <laughs> a lot of almonds. Fascinating, man. So she grew up there. You guys meet at UCLA. Yeah. And I was heading off to politics. So I had done some internships. We actually, the, actually the place where we met was in Washington, DC. I was doing an internship and she was doing an internship and her roommates knew my roommates. Really? And I was very, very focused on politics. And so decided, well, if I'm going to do that, I should go to law school first. And so we got married, loaded everything we had into a U-Haul and drove across the country and spent three years in Philadelphia while I was going to law school. Uh, she worked um, as a as a high school English teacher first as a sub and then as a as yeah. a full time teacher, and then we switched and I went to go work for a Wall Street law firm in New York. Um, we were living in Manhattan and uh, and she went back to school, so she got a a, a graduate degree um, and had just the time of her life. I mean, it was, you know, living in Manhattan, not having a lot of uh, academic you know, responsibilities. And, and she just had a great time, museums and restaurants. I was, I, I, I pretty much saw the subway, my pillow and my desk. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but you did the right thing. So then you moved back to the West coast. Yep. Uh, we moved and, back. And you're doing business now. Yeah. I did 15 years uh, with my dad investing in high tech startups. And uh, I thought that, so there was a lot of discontent um, working in New York. I loved the people I worked with. It was, it was exciting work. Um, but I, I could tell Monday mornings were not a lot of fun. You know, I'd get up and I'd just be like, what's, what's going on? Like I, this is the job I wanted, you know, this is, oh, my really? God. and all of a sudden it's like not satisfying. Yeah. And wow. it wasn't huge then, but it was enough to be on my radar screen. And so, um, this is 99, 2000 when we moved back here. So the internet, you know, bubble was in full, full swing. Um, and so we got back here and, um, and it helped a little bit, you know, I think the, I think the work, uh, was better and I was working with my dad, which was really fun. I, I got to walk with him through, you know, some of the hardest times in his life when he lost my mom. I mean, we, sure. we became, we became very, very close. So, um, I thought that was kind of the answer. And then I just started noticing that familiar sadness building and it was very, very incremental. So every day it was a little bit more, a little bit more after 10 years, I was drowning in it. And mm. so finally made my way to a, you know, men's group. My, Jennifer and I were leading some couples groups. Um, we were involved in church. We were doing some um, mission trips. We were leading some mission trips and stuff like that. Oh, but, most of you guys have been a number of places around the world. Yes, we have. We've been. To, so now, yeah. okay, let me, let me fit right in here. So now yep. you're going to church on a regular basis now. You're involved. Yep. You're doing mission trips. Yep. How did that pivot point happen, Justin? You know, I think it was, um, you know, I mean, look, I, my faith was because, because of, you know, from year, year, my age, 12 to 21, I needed something to grab onto. I needed something real to hold onto because the foundation of my life was shaking with my mom with this. I took it as, as a 12 year old, I took it as a, as a pronouncement of death on her life. Like mm -hmm. I, I think I look back and I knew in my, I just said, she's going to die. And if I can't um, have a mom, then I'm not going to need a mom. And so I got really tough and, you know, and started saying, you know, I'm not going to need anything from anybody. And uh, which is just, a you know, a farce yeah. and, a, and yeah. a ridiculous statement, but something that I tried to live out. 
and but the one thing that did feel solid was my faith and it, it was really as borrowing my mom's faith and um, wow. watching her you know be you know you know face this hor- horrific illness and hold on to this you know just joyful um wow you know, relationship with God. And so I think I did as well. And so when we came back here to Silicon Valley, we were starting to have kids. We knew we were going to go, you know, be a part of a church. And uh, I don't know, we just started kind of digging in. And, uh, you know, like I said, we were leading some couples groups, we were leading some mission trips. But I was isolated. I was like most men out there. Nobody knew me really, you know. And so, so I had some friends who were in a men's group, and it was a real deal men's group. And they invited me one night and it was a cold January evening. And I limped over to this place and said, fine, I'll go once. And I showed up and these guys were talking about pornography and alcohol addiction. And they were talking about everything that nobody talks about. And I was terrified. And it was a enormous injection of life into Mm -hmm. my life. And so I was like, I can't not you know, come every week. I have to be here, but I'm terrified because I've never lived in a uh, transparent way. I've never let other men know who I am, you know, what I'm afraid of, what I'm struggling with and all that kind of stuff. So that took about a six month period of just like grinding and just saying a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more so that they knew me a little bit more until I finally, you know, there's, there was one night where, um, uh, as as, actually was not an evening. It was just a time where uh, another guy and I got together and, um, I wrote out a list of everything that I had, I'd never told anybody, never confessed all the unconfessed sin in my life, starting it from the beginning when I, everything I could remember. And it was a, it was a, again, a just terrifying thing to do, but, uh, just wonderful when it was done, you know? And so that was the first time I started living in a transparent way. And that starts having a massive impact on who you are, you know, and there's a lot more freedom and a lot more fearlessness in my life I wasn't I was starting to disengage from that listening to the drumbeat of culture I was starting to start pull away and and God was starting to speak to me through scripture through sermon through conversations with my friend through silence and for the first time I you know I would get a sense of what he was up to in my life and identity was coming in you know and all these things you know, became clear of like, oh, that's why I made that decision. And that's why that didn't go well. But that one did go well. And so these guys were speaking all this identity into me. And, uh, and then, you know, at some point, you know, that those discussions about identity turned into a change of career. So it really came through those guys. I was at a, I was at a, I was at a point where I had to make a decision. Am am I going to keep, you know, in the venture capital world and keep investing in high tech companies? And my heart, that discontent was up around around my eyeballs. And so I couldn't get myself to do it. I couldn't get myself to raise one more fund. And so I, in almost desperation, I, I hijacked the men's group one night and said, hey guys, you gotta help me here. And I talked for about 45 minutes and then turned it over to them and said, what do you think? And, they, and, and two of them, two, two good friends, looked at each other and said, whatever you do, you need to be writing. Because they had heard me talk oh, about writing and it yeah. wasn't even on my radar screen. Wow. And my first reaction is I can't make any money doing that. I can't support a family of five here in Silicon Valley like that. And one of them just looks me right in the eye, catches my eye, just looks me in the eye, waits till I'm looking right at him and he goes, I think you shouldn't worry about that. And it just felt like the Holy Spirit speaking right to me. And so I, so I said, okay. And it was the best news. It was, it was scary, but it was the best news I could have gotten. And that discontent has been 
just leaking out of my life like a you know like somebody pulled the drain in a in a bathtub you know and um, I love getting up on a Monday morning now and doing what I'm doing now so I'm talking with uh, Justin Camp uh, Gathering Ministries and uh, the outworking of which is uh, Wired for Men and uh, Loop for Women but you've also written a couple of books and I think there's a third in the trilogy it's just like a I'm working on the third right now. Right. Yep. We're going to third. And then is that the first part of a nine part trilogy? Isn't that the way Star Wars went? <laughs> so I, I wanted to call it a trilogy. I think what God put on my heart was three books. The folks at David C. Cook who are uh, publishing it yeah. made, made me call it a series because they said, oh, you know, we may do another one. You know, I, I have no idea. We'll see what okay. God has. So it's more like speed. It never ends. There's, a, there's always another movie. <laughs> exactly. And hopefully so, not. Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> so no, but there should be right because that's what you do. Writers write. You know, uh, my kids. We all played basketball and a lot of players, and our deal was always shooter shoot. If you're a shooter, you shoot. Writers. Hey, I, I I will never stop writing again. There was about a ten year period that I'm describing when I was investing in companies where I didn't write, and it was a dry period for me. There will there will never be a time where I'm not writing. I just don't know if it'll there'll be another book in this series, but there will be something, no question. There'll be something, absolutely. And, you know, my encouragement is going to be, uh, you know, stuff that fits in that, not just books, but stuff that fits in that world that you know, uh, which is, you know, whether that's uh, manga or, uh, you know, or uh, stuff on the internet or movies or whatever. I I just think, you know, again, my one of my mentors, uh, teachers, Dennis Peacock says, ideas have consequences. Mm. And, um, I love your stuff. I love the clarity of it. But Invention uh, was the first book. Second book is Odyssey. Just came out. Yep. And uh, so, in fact, they sent me they sent me the pre copy that doesn't have any endorsements. So when you open it up, it says endorsements, and then it's blank. <laughs> I went, oh well, that's, that's a bit shocking. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. So, but the stuff you're doing, the resources you have, the devotionals. So uh, you can go to gatherministries.com and then uh, Wired for Men is your IG handle. Just all one word, Wired for Men. That's right. And then is there a wiredformen.com? Is that? There is. Yeah, yeah. That's the landing page to get signed up for the email devotional. For the email devotional, which is twice a week. Yep. And then, but your Instagram, your IG comes out, what I've noticed is pretty daily. much daily, right? It does, yeah. And then, uh, so, and I just, I'm telling you, man, I just dig all this stuff. And so everybody who's involved with us, Christian's Network, and listens to Brave Men, go on there, sign up for it. Uh, you got a hundred, over 100,000 men on the devotionals, all kinds of stuff going on. Gatherministries.com, Justin Camp. And uh, I, you know, I told you right before we, we went on that I've been following you for like years. And, and since you're public and Instagram, it's not like stalking. It's different. <laughs> now it's following it's just right but let me ask you something you talk about these guys gave you identity yeah which is what your first book is about what it what does that mean justin so we looked at identity from a lot of different angles and that's what's in each chapter of invention is it, it, it you know identity is there's anything with god but especially identity there's so much mystery right we can't mm -hmm. know everything but if we look to scripture, if we look to, you know, learn about spiritual gifts and calling and the ways that we were uniquely wired to connect with him, um, you know, we're not all wired to get up early and read the Bible. You know, some of us are, are, are wired to connect with him mountain biking and some people are wired to, you know, connect with him in, in deep study, you know, and, and so 
I think it's really important to spend this time to gather as much as we can know. And when you do gather it into one place and you look at it, and that's one thing that invention helps you do, is it really kind of, it, it leads you through these, you know, kind of exercises to ask, who am I from a lot of different angles, and then puts it all in one, into one place and you start seeing common threads and you go, wow, I don't know everything. I don't know much, you know, compared to, you know, what God knows. But from my perspective, I know a lot and I can start making some decisions in my life that are, that are, that just, you know, are the, you know, as a son, as a son of God, rather than a son of this world. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we started, we were looking at it from, you know, how, you know, looking in detail at our journeys and say, you know, helping by looking, looking backwards, helping us to look forwards. You know, what have we been prepared for? What are, what is our situatedness? Like, who, who have, where do we have authority in our lives because of things that we've gone through? And then we looked at spiritual gifts and we look at calling and, and, you know, and all the, all the sort of, you know, every chapter is something different, but it's really that process that those men, um, you know, took me through with, you know, a lot of just sort of, you know, working it out, you know, in conversation and prayer with brothers as well and saying, Hey, look, this is who we see you. This is, this is, this is how we see you. This is what's true in you. This is your impact on the world. This is the God, God's glory working through you. That kind of stuff is super rare, but so powerful for a man. Yeah. So it really is. You know, Colossians 1 in the message says, uh, fasten yourself to your future. I'm like, dude, that's, that's really uh, what most of us don't have because we've, we've been created by the lyrics of our context. Yeah. And, and, uh, Kind of the way we say it, Justin, it would seem in is identity is the story you tell yourself about yourself. And for most men, that self-talk has lyrics that other people put in there. And it's yep. it's impure and it's messed up. And you talk a lot about distraction too. Tell me about that. How do you fight? Because I mean, we live in a this this sensory overload world. We have empathy overload, right? Because now I'm just totally freaked out about the animals that died in the fire in the outback. Right, I can't do anything about it. I got empathy overload. I got distractions. How do I how do I navigate this thing? Because you talk about that uh, quite often in a number of things that you do. You know, so the the uh, the premise of Odyssey. So the premise of invention is you kind of who am I? Who did you create me to be? And what did you create me to do? Asking those questions of God. The premise of of Odyssey is 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 a little bit different it, it's sort of it, it's kind of the answer to all questions and the answer to all questions is we need our dad we need our heavenly dad i mean if i need to deal with distraction the place that i should go is you know hey god hey jesus what what how do i deal with this like this is this is too hard and i feel like the, those you know if we're living in culture and culture is just like berating us with messages, a lot of them negative about us and, and all intended to take us off track and to have us exactly. yep. living as orphans. Yep. You know, and, and we go to God and say, Hey, look, this is too much for me. This is too much for one man. And he goes, I know. <laughs> That's why we're supposed to be a father and a son, always a father and a son. And so the way I deal with distraction is I do it together with him. And so uh, Odyssey is all about the journey that we all have to take. You know, this happens so many times in, in scripture where there was a physical journey, um, certainly spiritual journeys. Um, and, you know, I mean, in our day and age, they can be both. I, I have been on, uh, on a physical journey that turned into a spiritual journey. I've been on 
you know, a, a, a spiritual journey that was mostly done at home, but had some times of retreat and had some times of, you know, recreation and some times with friends and, and where God was orchestrating something larger that had yeah. a point to it and it had a season to it. But all of it is to go meet him somehow to meet him, quote unquote, in the wilderness, like like Jesus would do. He would pull away and go to a solitary place and connect with his dad. And so that's what that's what Odyssey is all about. It's about pilgrimage and sacred journeys. And it's about doing it with, you know, for men who have bills to pay and and houses that are bursting with kids, you know, like right. we can do this now. God understands where we are. And yet he wants to take us on a journey to meet him. And so distraction I like i live in the middle of silicon valley this culture yeah. is weighs heavily i see it on my kids yeah. i live in a way that is much more light it, it, that where culture touches me a lot less than it used to why not because of anything i did but because i spend time with him and i don't do it out of obligation i do it out of desperation it, but i would say it's, it started with desperation and then the holy spirit gets into you a little bit and then you're like i want a little bit more and i want a little bit more and i want a little bit more and those, those distractions start, you know, tasting a little bit different, feeling it a little bit different, you know, and you're like, yeah, I don't really want that anymore. Now, I'm not saying that I'm all fixed. No, no question. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. as broken as anybody and still, still yelling at my kids and still, you know, <laughs> still saying stupid things and, and not treating my wife the way I, I should. Um, but, but I'm working really hard and, and yeah. you know, and uh, God is, is in all of it with me. Yeah. You know? Hey, this is Chris. I want to take a moment right in the middle of this great conversation to let you know that the Brave Men podcast is a production of the Christian Men's Network Worldwide and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. Christian Men's Network has helped pastors and leaders disciple men for over 40 years. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. Christian Men's Network has a YouTube channel with inspirational videos. There you can find the innovative new study, Monday Night Men. When you get there, make sure you click subscribe. Monday Night Men is a fresh resource for men and pastors. As a pastor, you can follow up the 30-minute study with a digital meetup with your men for prayer, discussion, and teaching. Some churches are using the videos as part of a group meeting. As an individual, enlarge, energize, and build a strong mindset. This 13-week study will be on YouTube and Facebook. Get your books and materials at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. Stop what you're doing and take your phone, tablet, or computer and like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Unless you think you will lose the podcast, in that case, make yourself a note. That is Christian Men's Network or Paul Lewis Cole. Now, let's get back to this powerful interview between Paul and Justin Kent. You live in an area that, that I grew up in, and uh, one of the beautiful things for me is north of uh, Santa Cruz is how the uh, trees come right down into the ocean. Man. So, oh, yeah. Amazing. So I often think of uh, all those things, and I think of men as like uh, trees that we tend to fall the way we're leaning. And I think that, uh, you know, for me, you, you're talking about, uh, when you talk about getting rid of distraction, it's, it's like a simple, but it's not simplistic, hmm. right? It's, it's minimal, but it's not without complexity. And I love that. And here's the other thing I love about what you were talking about. I love that whole picture and that feel and that texture of that. But, uh, but 
what always hits me is the the day that Jesus started his ministry. Like he does the Cana thing, you know, the wedding thing, right? And uh, the water, the wine deal, and all that. And then, like, I don't know, it's hard to tell exactly, but maybe the next week he moves to the, by a lake. If you've ever been to Nazareth, it's a truck stop. It's basically yeah. on a trucking. Yeah, you have right, that's right. Well, if, so you know, it's it's on a trucking path. But he moved to Capernaum like quick, <laughs> which means place of quiet. Right. Even though they even though they cut a hole in his roof one day. But other than that, you know, I mean, Jesus did that. He he uh, he was in the world, but did these retreat things where he he would pray and spend time. It's pretty it's pretty remarkable that we think we don't have to do <laughs> what the Messiah did. Right. Right. The great news of all of that is is that it seems like it seems like too big a task to do what Jesus did. Yeah. There you go. You know, it, does, it, seems like, it seems like too big a task. But again, we're not doing it alone. Like all we need to do is bumble towards it. Like you say, you fall, you fall the way you're leaning. Just fall a little bit. He's a good catcher. Like he, he, he'll sit there and go, here, here, I'll magnify your bumbling efforts and I'll magnify it in your life and in the lives of the people that you touch. And, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, this is massive. And I barely did anything because grace, we have the most powerful force in all the universe, the creative force flowing through us, living inside us. You know, and so when we fall, when we mess up, when we try something and 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 just bumble through it, amazing things happen. You know, uh, Maxwell, John Maxwell has that book, uh, Failing Forward. Okay, you could you could do a, a bumbling forward. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's giving you an idea, you need to write that down, Justin. But but the fact is, I've got a, a friend in Lima, Peru, Robert Berger. Those who are friends of mine know who he is. He's, amazing ministry went he was a surfer in Huntington Beach actually just north of that coast and and um, and went to uh, the jungle in the Amazon with two little kids and his wife and now they have impact they have hundreds and hundreds of churches that look to them for leadership across South America and Latin America and stuff you know but the thing is uh, we were talking about it the other day and we were talking about growth and they they've had such amazing response during the COVID time uh, online in a country that's not online. There are people had to learn, but he said, I don't know how to do what a lot of these guys do, but I can plod. Mm. P-L-O-D. Yep. He took that from, uh, what was the guy's name? He, uh, I, I don't know if I remember, but the guy who opened uh, China for the gospel. And he, people were concerned that he wasn't having any results. And he said, I'm just going to keep plodding. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't know what else to do. To carry the gospel, keep walking. And that's what Robert said. I, I can, you know, I don't know how to do all the stuff that all these guys do, you know, but I can plot. And I think that, uh, you know, the beauty of Odyssey, encountering the God of heaven and uh, escaping the surly bonds of this world, isn't about escaping this world. It's not escapism. It's no. about not being, it's Romans 12 too, not being locked into the mindset of this world. Right. Yeah, and I, I think, I think, you know, the enemy of, you know, the scripture says a number of times that the, uh, you know, the ruler of this world is, is the enemy is the evil one. And so this is a culture that is relentless and we get taken out. If, if, if we get locked in, like you say, 
but we get we get free from all this stuff by plotting by just a little you know consistent bumbling, bumbling, bumbling effort bumbling magnified by grace and all of a yeah. sudden things are unlocked and amazing things start happening and the cool thing is you know for guys who are like the you know the aggressive you know sort of type a personalities is you throw some more obedience in there you 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 throw some you know really you know sustained and uh, forceful plotting and there's even more freedom there's even more yeah. you know ripples yeah. and everything but you know even for guys who are just you know who are who are just barely making it through the day which is a lot of us you know is just surviving and getting by it was certainly for me for a lot of years just a little bit the holy spirit can come in and do things that you can't believe you know you know, I, I love reading about the heroes of the Bible because so many of them were jacked up. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, even Samson for all his stuff is in Hebrews 11 about the heroes. And you're like, what? And then David, you know, Acts 13, it says, and David, having done everything according to my will, <laughs> rest of his father. This is a guy who killed his best friend to get the guy's wife, you know? Yeah, no, it's very encouraging. <laughs> and yeah, and then the book of Acts where these guys are all fighting over stuff. And then teachers are coming in, and Paul the Apostle is talking about, uh, remember that part where he's going, these guys want to do circumcision? Oh, yeah? Well, then let them go do it. I hope their knife slips. I mean, I love this stuff. This is oh, like, I know, can one, live there. One of, my, one of my favorite stories about bumbling is, uh, you know, when, when Paul, you know, founds the church at Corinth and then comes back at a, at a later time and goes, whoa, it's thriving. And he's like, I said all the wrong things. I did a just, you know, I mean, yeah. just bumbled through it. And all of a sudden, and he points right to the spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. It's yeah. the magnification of the Holy Spirit, you know? And so well, that, that story I live my life according to. Yeah. I said all the wrong things. And they yet. Were, the, yeah, they were thriving, but he still had to tell a guy he shouldn't be married to his mom or sleep with his mom, right? <laughs> so there was, and then there was that. So. <laughs> It's We're like you guys, are doing, you guys are doing great. Listen, Galatia, right? I love these guys. You guys are doing great. Listen, just a thought. While you're doing communion, don't get drunk. <laughs> right? Just a thought. Here's just another thought. When you have guests, let them have some of the bread first. Oh. I mean, this is great. I mean, this is great stuff because it means it releases me to be a man. Yeah. To be masculine and to be what that is in my in in my bent. If I'm a screenwriter, I can be fully masculine as a screenwriter. If I'm a if I'm a if I'm a guide, if I'm a fishing guide, I can be fully masculine in that. If I'm selling insurance, I mean uh, Colossians chapter three says, do it with excellence, dude. Absolutely. I can be fully masculine in that. And, uh, if I'm married, if I'm single, this stuff, man, is a release. And I appreciate, uh, in the books we're talking about our invention, we're talking with Justin camp, C A M P. And then, uh, the book Odyssey, which is, uh, I, kind of the way I picked it up was, uh, invention was, was, uh, definition and Odyssey was direction. Yeah kind of the way I read them, but you know, you've, you've got, uh, and then you have why you wrote them, <laughs> but, you know, but that's good. I love it. But that's kind of how they hit me. So I guess the next one in a true Baptist sense would also be a D word, but I don't know what that is yet. So 
Well, this this one, I'm I'm knee deep in this one. So this one's all about community, like you okay. know, helping 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 men live an authentic community and and trying to explain how it's not a vitamin, you know, something we should really should we really should do because it's good for us, but it's just vital. Kind of the stuff we're talking about, you know, we live in this culture that is that is just you know against us every moment of every day, and it's relentless and the. Uh, you know, in, in, in invention, um, the, uh, you know, I use these kind of historical profiles of, of, uh, I think it was seven. Um, I, I forget the number, but I think it's seven, um, you know, industrial revolution era inventors, Edison and Alexander Graham Bell and those guys. And then, um, for, for Odyssey, we used, um, you know, uh, Mercury, Gemini and Apollo astronauts. Despite the height, height of the space age, all with the intent of, um, you know, just engaging the, just giving guys something that's fun, you know, teaching them, teaching them really good stuff, but giving them something that's fun to read and has some momentum. Yeah. And then um, this next one, because it's about community, is all going to be about rescue teams. So it's going to be about smoke jumpers and, you know, um, you know the the Coast Guard rescue swimmers and, you know, a Navy SEAL team and just guys who are, you know, there for each other in a way that we walking through our lives just aren't. You know, and that is it, because when you talk about rescue, most often we think of the person on the other end. We don't think of the team that right. does the rescue. And the way that that happens is actually it is because of a team. Guys come together and uh, and they they work. It, you know, uh, women bond differently than men. Uh, women can bond face to face, but men always bond facing a challenge shoulder to shoulder. Absolutely. So, uh, man, I love that. I'm looking forward to that. Justin Camp, it's been great to meet you and talk about this stuff. I want to finish with this. Uh, one of the pivot, great pivot points and filters of your life was having a band of men you got transparent with. How important is it to have friends? I mean, not just Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> you, know, you know, Dunbar's number, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Dunbar's number is 148. Uh, the sociologist has said that's what you can contain in your in your world is 148 friends. Okay, and uh, it's called Dunbar's number. I, I it's well, I'm writing about it right now. So uh, it's a fascinating thing to me, and it really fits when you begin to look at community. But you know, how do you, you know, and we all have you know 3,000 friends or 2,000 or 850 or something like that. Tell me about friendship. I just want to finish with that. I just want a word for us about the importance of that and how do you build that? Well, I can tell you my story. There's, there's a before and an after there's a, um, there's a Justin that was, uh, you know, full of shame and, and isolated and, and scared of the scared of the world. And, you know, I was going out there and doing things that you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have looked at me and said, Oh, that's a guy who's, who's just walking with enormous amount of fear. But if I, if, if I measured, anxiety and fear, you know, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being debilitating and one being nothing. Um, I was probably at a six or a seven all the time. And I just thought that's what a man does. It's a man worries, worries about providing, worries about this danger and that danger and worries about everything. And I think it's very common. I'm at about a one right now, I think. Wow. Maybe I get to a one sometimes, you know, because I'm walking with my dad in all times. But I don't do that alone with him. I do do it sometimes, but you know, God, the way God created this thing, he put himself in us so that we can be him to other people. And so most of the way that he loves me, most of the way that I get his rescue, his care, his advice and wisdom and all that is through other men. And Mm -hmm. so 
how do I get to a place where I can get that and where I can actually turn that spigot on when I need it, which is all the time, but sometimes I need it on a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I get there by being transparent and sharing my story and letting guys know what I really need so that they can be who I need them to be. And so I, I think it's, I think it's absolutely vital, you know, and I'll, I'll say one other thing, Jesus set all this up, you know, he, he announced the new rescue team, you know, the rescue team of the ancient world was, was the family. It was the clan, you know, that's who you had to rely on. If you needed food and you needed, you know, wisdom or you needed anything, it, it was the clan. It was the family. It was the, the immediate family and the extended family. Yeah. And then he's talking to Peter and he says, Peter, if you leave all that, I'm going to give you something that is a hundredfold better in fields and mothers and sisters and brothers a hundred times. So hundred X, which you've experienced so far, you're going to get this. And that doesn't come through, you know, shallow superficial um, interactions. It comes when you're in a group, whether it's two guys or 10 guys um, where you are for one another and you trust each other, where you are transparent with one another, you know, each other's stories, you know, the fears and the struggles it's a, you know, a place where God is at the, we, we are all coming together in the name of God somehow, you know, I mean, we all do this stuff differently, but somehow mm -hmm. he has to be there. We have to invite him in and then grace takes over and all of a sudden amazing things start happening. That hundredfold, that hundred X thing starts happening. And you're like, Whoa, how did this, how did I get by before this? You know? Yeah laughter and joy and freedom and tears and all of it, you know, that life that Jesus said, I came so that they may have life and have it to the full. Yeah. I start, I start tasting a little bit more of that, you know? So I think it's, I mean, you're talking to somebody who is, you know what the answer is going to be ahead of time, but it's vital. It's yeah. perhaps the vital thing we can. Yeah, David said, David said, you know, when truth tastes like honey, you know, and, uh, and really this find your tribe and love them. Well, right. It's man, that, you know, and really the world does that. We do that in general culture. We have a group of guys we hang with at a, if it's a, at a bar or we all go surfing together or something. There's, you know, before God was anything else, he was God in community. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that that's really it, man. I, I love that. And the average man, you know, for me, where I live in the United States and you live in the U.S. also, there's guys listening to this all over the world. I think it's probably the same in almost every Western leaning culture. The average man in the United States, I just saw a stat, has 1.7 friends. Hmm. 1.7. And, and as I started laughing because it was like, we all knew who the 0. 0.7 guy is. He's the one that doesn't show up when you move. <laughs> I know that. You guy. know, right? So, uh, but, the, but the fascinating thing is, here's the other thing that I, I can't remember if John Eldridge said this, or uh, I think it was Stephen Mansfield. He said the average man in America, over 50%, over half the men in America, if you were out somewhere, if you were on the road and your wife had a problem, like in the house, like the dishwasher, something, you know, or she can't get in the house or she actually has to be picked up because you got a flat tire. Over half the men in the U.S. don't have a friend they can call. Yeah, that's great. It's so true. It was me for so many years. I had a ton of acquaintances and no real friends. Dude, I was at the, I was at the health club a while back when they, you know, when they were still open and stuff. And, and, there, this guy walks up to the guy next to me. He goes, "Hey, where's Bill?" He goes, <laughs> "Guy goes, guy goes, you know, Bill got sick. He passed away." He goes, "Oh shoot, we were friends. We used to work out together." And I'm going, "Like, dude, you weren't friends. You didn't even know he was dead." Yeah. That was, I mean, it was funny and it was sad at the same time. I'm going, "Like, that's what that guy thought was a friend, and and he's going to need a friend." 
yeah someday so man we got to do this stuff do the man thing uh be men men of god i so i've been talking with justin camp uh wired for men gather ministries.com wired for men.com wired for men instagram ig uh you're probably on a bunch of those social platforms because you're savvy with that stuff and then uh the new book just came out odyssey so uh, I want to encourage guys to get that. Encourage guys to be involved with your ministry. Get the get the twice a week devotional, all that stuff. I'm just knocked out by what you do, man. And we pray over you and Jennifer. She does the thing for women. We pray yeah. over you and your family. And you got one headed to college, and another one coming right behind that. We pray for you and your family that every place you put your feet will be holy ground, and everything you touch will prosper, and that God will keep you and your family, Justin, deep within the grip of His grace and favor in Jesus' name. Thanks for being with us, man. Thank you, Paul. And thank you for that prayer. That means a ton. Wow, Paul, we have been on a journey. You know what I like about him is, is his devotional. He calls it handcrafted for the modern Christian man. Wow. And I think that's a, I think it's a clever take. And everything he does is like, I look at it and go, gosh, that is so clever. Yeah. And it was just so refreshing to talk to him because he's just, Real guys, real authentic, real open, uh, raising three children. And uh, he and his wife have this gather ministry. It's, uh, it's remarkable. You know what I love, you know, about Justin Camp and even people like him that are creatives mm-hmm. is they're so aware. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah, you can be so. an intentional and be intentional, but yeah. unaware. But when yeah. you can take intentionality and become aware, that's when you make a masterpiece. Yeah. You know, and it, it's amazing because that masterpiece touches the so many different spheres at the same time. Yeah, intentional about being aware. That's a really good line, uh, Chris. I think what it is is sometimes we can be so, um, and and focus isn't even the right word because we've talked about focus in the book yeah. Bartender. We yes. talk about what focus truly is, stripping away the things that don't belong. But uh, what we can be is uh, somewhat myopic, exactly. narrow-minded. Exactly. And that's what Jesus really hit guys with um, you know, when he was talking to men who were so narrow-minded about the religious, you know, stuff that they were doing that they, they didn't help anybody. Yes. And he had to kind of tell them, hey, here's what true religion is. Exactly. You know, helping the poor. Yeah. You know, helping those who are hurting, people in the margins, being there for them. Yeah. And Jesus was. And that's what we also see as in this most successful artist. You know, the mm-hmm. most suc- you think of the, you know, the greatest singer you like or the greatest rapper you like or the greatest whatever you mm-hmm. like the greatness about them is they know how to touch so many different people. Mm-hmm. It's like, I usually, how many times have you heard that artist that you love? It's like, I usually don't listen to this type of music, but yeah, this person has the ability to still touch me, you know? And that's what you get from a guy like Justin Kemp. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uh, you know, there, there's just, there's just something about it all that just has a, a feeling to it and a depth to it. And love being with him. And so, uh, you know, I just recommend everybody get a hold of his stuff. Yes. And you mentioned at the mid-break about our social media. Yes, I did. And everything. And uh, you also said, <laughs> this is great. I love what you said. <laughs> you said, hey, get on your phone right now. Just stop where you're at. Yes. And click on the, unless you think you're going to lose the whole podcast. Yes, we don't want to lose you. Which is, <laughs> which is what I would do. I would be like... Oh, shoot. I had that. Where'd that go? Yes. And now I got to refresh the whole thing. Then I go back to the podcast. And then, and then you know, then you got to do that 
10 seconds forward thing? Yes. 38 times. Yes. But I think no. there's a way to scroll. Anyway. Yeah, but it's still a That's pain. still... <laughs> <laughs> so, so, where, so hit the social media thing again. Where are we yes. at? So we are at Facebook, yep. Christian Men's Network, and Paul Lewis Cole. And Christian Men's Network, just the way it sounds, M-E-N-S. Yes. Is apostrophe on Facebook? No. No. Okay. Instagram, no apostrophe. Yeah. And it's all one word. Yes. And then uh, Paul Lewis Cole, L-O-U-I-S. Yes. Okay. For somebody who who's looking, it's not L-E-W-I-S. Yes. L-O-U-I-S. You know, I made that name. mistake when I first met you. I put did you, you really? in my phone with E. Oh, did you w? really? <laughs> Is that why you never return any of my texts? Wow. Is that what that was? Like no a, comment. Wrong guy. <laughs> wrong number. <laughs> yeah. No, you did actually, which is why you're here, because we met through our dear friend, uh, Dr. Jim Garlow. Yes. At, at Bishop Bronner's Yes, we did. Yeah, and it was the last time, actually, I saw Bishop Eddie Long. Yes. It was a remarkable And honestly, time, an actually. unforgettable moment yeah, in my life. Yeah, there was some unforgettable moments right there. Hey, so, uh, Paul Lewis Cole, and then uh, YouTube, Christian Network. Yes, Christian Network, all one word. All one word, though. Yes. we got to put it in there. Otherwise, you find videos from all over the world. Yes, literally. Every Christian man. It's not our <laughs> channel. Video. But actually, you know, and there's some great ones. Bulgaria and yes. Indonesia. Some of our, we're in 134 countries. Yes. So if you put in Christian Network, three different words, you find stuff from everywhere. Everywhere. In, in numerous languages. Yes. Yeah. Amazing thing. Yes. All right, man. Been great being with you today, Chris. Yes, it's awesome. What are you doing now? Are you going to play golf or something? Golf, basketball, <laughs> <laughs> some round ball. Okay. Hey, uh, Justin Camp and uh, Jennifer, we pray the blessing of God on you guys. Thanks for being with us today, and uh, thank you for being a part of uh, Brave Men Podcast. We really do enjoy spending time with you, spending time with new friends and uh, and old friends that we have on uh, the podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to get a hold of us, write to me at paul at cmn.men. That's P-A-U-L, not P-O-O-L like the barista put on there. But uh, paul at cmn.men. Get a hold of us. Uh, if you want to uh, mention anything to me or Chris, just write to us there and we'll get it. Uh, thanks for being with us today on another episode of Brave Men. Remember, hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. Jesus, come on. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.